Are you ready to go the distance? When you're nearing retirement, it's essential that you have a written plan and know exactly how the plan will work. Life's about choosing where you want to go and mapping out a financial plan to get you there. The one thing you need is a plan. So what's the plan? Plan! I know plan! An experienced financial advisor can help you avoid potential hazards and find alternative routes. We pride ourselves in being different from other financial planning firms. During your initial consultation, we will get to know you and give you the chance to get to know us. Our friendly staff will make you feel comfortable the moment you walk in the door. Call Mark Eels at EFS Wealth Management, 712-224-4651, 712-224-4651, or log on to EFS4U.com, EFS, the number 4U.com. Everyone makes mistakes, but making them in retirement can be costly and should be avoided. What we're going to talk about today is five of the most common mistakes or blunders that people can make and offer some suggestions on how to avoid them. And now, live from the heart of Sioux City, Mark on Money, with your host, Mark Gilles. The key is having a plan in place, knowing what you're going to do, a place where your retirement questions are answered. You could be putting tens of thousands in jeopardy. You'll get the latest news on 401ks and retirement planning. It can make a profound difference with what you can and can't afford in retirement. If you've got questions on how to properly structure your assets and build retirement income, you're in the right place. Welcome in to Mark on Money. Gills. Well, Mark is a certified financial planner. He is a fiduciary, independent, 30-plus years experience. You'll find him at EFS Wealth Management. The website is EFS, the number four, the letter U.com. We'll talk more about that. Uh, in the meantime, hey, Mark, what's happening? Not too much. Um, you know, we're going to talk about some blunders today. Some blunders. Well, and again, because... And just five. I mean, just, I've seen more than I can count. Well, I'm sure you have. And and um, I think that one of them, right now, people are, are, you know, the market is crazy. Obviously, we were just talking off the air about ups and downs. And and it's it's hard to, to judge what's happening and how it's happening. And I can beat the market, though I know I can. <laughs> yeah, and that's the number one mistake that people make. Uh, even professional traders, you know, that buy and sell individual stocks, they rarely outperform the market over the long run. And a lot of people, they end up chasing those returns of those active re of those active traders. Mm -hmm. You know, we used to do um, corporate educational uh, meetings for companies. We'd come in, we'd talk about their benefits, we talk about what we talk about on the show, how to plan for retirement, how to save, you know, we, you know, we'd come in, we'd teach their employees and you know, one of the things that I would do is I'd pull up their 401k plan and look at the performance and say, "Okay, let's talk about how you would choose how to invest your money today." And I would say most people, they look at, well, you know, Look at this fund. This fund's doing better. I want to put my money into this fund. This fund really doesn't look like it's doing very well, and, and you know, I'm not going to put anything into it. And so what I would say is, you know, pick pick how you would allocate your money because a lot of it's they throw darts at their 
you know, 401k and, and most people don't do a very good job of, of doing good asset allocation. Um, you well, know. oftentimes it's done for you. you know, you've got the, the the target date funds, and well, I don't have to worry anymore. That's well. Remember, this is back in the nineties. There weren't oh, yeah. there weren't target date funds back there. Oh, no, that's true. That's true. <laughs> and believe it or not, the people that were investing their money back then, they probably had the same allocation today as what they had back then. They probably haven't changed it. Probably that's, so. That's that's what I see too. Is not you know taking a look at. Um, what your allocation is. I mean, a lot of 401ks, you know, they add additional funds, they broaden out that diversification, give you additional option, give you funds with lower expense ratios to lower your costs. You know, so it's something that you really have to take a look at is, you know, what's in your plan? How should I be allocating your money? And it's really something that isn't rocket scientist stuff. It's not that complicated. There's just a few rules that you should follow. Um, one is you want to have your money on the efficient frontier, which means that you want to get the highest return you can for the risk that you're taking if you're diversifying your money. And we run a lot of analyses that show that most people are not on that curve. They're below it. And by just simply changing their allocation, they're able to potentially get better returns without taking any more vol or adding any more volatility or risk to their portfolio. Um, you know, number two is just simply allocating that money according to the length of time that you're going to be investing. You know, if you're in your 20s, you should be all equities. Oh, yeah. There's no reason not to have anything else. And then as you get closer to retirement, you need to, you know, dial back on that equity. Once you're in that retirement red zone, you don't want to have 100% equities, you know, right before you want to retire and see the market do what it did this year and lose a third of your 401k. And you know, then you want to, and then you want to rebalance your portfolio, unless you're in, like you said, one of those target date funds. But back to what I was saying before about, you know, thinking that you can beat the market, is what I would say to those people after they look at all the returns and say, well, yeah, I don't want to pick this fund. I'd say, here's the fund that I'm going to pick, and I'm, I'm just simply looking at equity funds, not you know anything else not sector funds i'm just looking at broad based diversified equity funds and you know not even looking at how they're investing but just if they're all equities i would pick the one that's performed the worst and i would say okay i'm going to come back here a year from now we're going to come back we're going to do the same meeting and you know i'm going to sign and date this and you know next year i'm going to come back and see once how i did you know in my crystal ball <laughs> you know um forecasting you know, good forecasting, right? Pick the one that's underperformed. Well, you know, going back and doing that for four or five years in a row, I was right um, better than 80% uh, of the time. In other words, five years, I was right four out of the five years. I picked the fund that the next year was number one in their 401k. It was the best performer. Mm. So, and that that is the reason why you don't want to pick funds based upon what their performance was in the last year three years, five years, you want to look at an asset allocation um, because you don't want to chase returns. And that is one of the reasons why people consistently underperform the market is they don't have enough patience uh, because they look at, well, my fund's not doing well. This fund over here is doing better. So they sell their fund and then they go to a different fund. And what do you know, the next six months, the fund that they just sold out all of a sudden does way better than the money that they went into, right? How many people have had that happen to them before? Exactly. Yep. Yep. So again, you know, you, you want to make good choices in diversification. 
And number two is, you know, so here's the second biggest blunder, keeping all of your money in cash. But that's what people are doing right now, aren't they? Well, some of them, yeah. I mean, the complete opposite of the at-home trader is the person who keeps all of their money in cash. The problem here is that you won't keep up with inflation. And this is a particular problem for retirees who face health care costs rising much faster than the cost of living. Well, at least today we have an opportunity to at least get some, you know, return on our cash. So cash is trash. You know, it is a good investment alternative for liquidity purposes. But again, you know, when we would teach our financial classes, I would ask, you know, and and we'd go through uh, and talk about risk. So what's the risk of cash? People says, well, there's no risk in cash. No, the risk is, is that you could go broke. So there's a big risk in cash if you hold it for 20 years and you don't earn anything on it. That is significantly a significantly high level of risk that you have taken by by having money not earning anything, because the only way you make money on cash is if we go through a scenario like the depression where prices go down, um, and you know cash actually buys more stuff next year than what it did this year. That's the only way that cash really gets a return on what is called purchasing power. Otherwise, you're losing purchasing power. Um, And it's not a good thing to have all of your money in cash, but you need to have some. You need to have an emergency reserve. You should have, you know, depending upon what withdrawal strategy you're looking at or when you're going to retire, you want to have some money available um, for lump sum purchases, you know, to fund retirement. You should be taking money out of a fixed source, not taking something money out of something that could lose money. So, and we've talked about that before, is having a structure and a plan in place on how to withdraw money and then going into retirement. What 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 do you do with that money that has been in that, that 401k plan, et cetera? And yeah, and, and how do you maximize that? Right. In the process. And, and so we're talking about blunders, mistakes that people have made or people make. Uh, I, I like this one too. Number three is putting a little money in a lot of places. And somehow that... I mean, again, if you start, I think some people think that that's exactly what they should do. Well, we get that a lot. Do you really? Um, and, yeah, we see that in people because we work mainly with pre-retirees and retirees, you know, people that are in their 50s or older. Um, we see that, you know, they have investments that are in all kinds of different stuff. And they thought that, well, diversification is just simply buying a lot of different things. And no, diversification doesn't mean saying yes to every investment idea or every sales pitch. The focus of diversification should be relying on what the underlying assets are, you know, stocks, bonds, real estate, life insurance, fixed annuities, you know, indexed annuities, hybrid funds, alternative investments, hedge products, you know, not putting all of your money into one type of investment. So in in essence, buying 20 different mutual funds at different financial services companies may appear diverse, but in essence, when we do the analysis, you have a portfolio that reacts exactly the same way as the stock market does. It didn't matter that you had 20 different funds or if you had three funds. Your performance is exactly the same. Your risk is exactly the same. You just had, you know, 5,000 individual stocks and 20 different investments. In essence, you just own the whole market. In fact, diversification can hurt 
returns, not help returns. So keep that in mind that being overly diversified, especially over diversified without a strategy, uh, can actually be, do more harm than good. You can really lose money and, and lose it seemingly safely. Yeah, keeping track of everything. I mean, how do you even do that? Yeah, exactly. I mean, it's just you need to have a full-time job just to keep track of all your stuff. And that's exactly what usually, you know, is the answer is people come in and they own X, Y, or Z or A, B, and C and says, well, what's the purpose for this investment? Well, well I don't remember. I did that 10 years ago. And, uh, you know, they, they don't know what their investment purpose was at that time. Or maybe they did. You know, they had a good idea, but now – they don't really know where that investment anymore falls into their their uh, financial picture. And my my purpose in working with people is to define that exact answer. What is the reason or where does this investment fit into your overall strategy? Because like Warren Buffett said, every dollar that you invest should have a purpose for it. You should buy, be able to identify what this money is for, what is the purpose of it, and why it is in a particular place. Well, yeah, and then, we've said this many times, every every dollar has a job. Right. And so you should be able to identify what that job is. Mm -hmm. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. So, again, that's that's something that is is easily correctable. But, again, it takes time. And my encouragement is, is you know, Go to somebody who is a fiduciary, who is going to look at those things, is going to help you to develop that investment strategy, that investment policy for all of your individual investments. That's what we do. Um, and, you know, you, you can check out our investment strategies and policies and, and how we do that uh, at EFS, the number four, the letter U, dot com. Um, it's a great website. Uh, it's got a lot of good information on there. There's a great video on there that describes our bucket strategy and, and diversification for retirement and through retirement. So if you have a little bit of time, there's a great place to go. Go to EFSforyou.com. Well, segmented distribution is one of the things you'll learn from that video and how important that is and why that works. Right. So two more blunders to go, Steve. All right, two um, more blunders. What are we thinking? Okay, I, this one is a little confusing to me. Uh, number four, steering clear of your savings or steering too clear of your savings. What does that mean? Well, if you plan on leaving money to children, oh, okay. you know, charity, right. you know, or loved ones, it's important to plan for that. You know, So you may have um, money that I would term as never money. You know, you're never going to use it. You're leaving it to the kids, the charity. Uh, and so forth, but also remember that that never money is still your money, so don't be afraid to dip into your savings during retirement. That's what it's there for. But a lot of retirees, and you know, maybe some of you can relate to that, struggle to make the transition from saver to spender. You know, and if you've and if you've you know had this vision in mind, well, I want to you know, leave my kids X or I want to leave my kids Y or I'm, I'm you know, defining this particular investment to charity. Um, again, it's, it's redefining that purpose as time goes on. And as you move through different stages in life, maybe, maybe that isn't, isn't what you should be looking at anymore. Maybe that doesn't make sense. Maybe your kids don't want your money because they're all successful. And I think that would be true. I, I think of, 
um, most people's kids is, you know, hey, mom, dad, that's your money. We don't want any of it. You should, you know, you worked hard, you know, don't spend it on us, spend it on yourself. Um, and, you know, that I see that that from the kids, sure. you know, that that, you know, do inherit money that they wish their mom and dad would have spent it all. They don't really need it. They don't really, um, you know, it's nice to have, but they would have rather seen their parents, you know, enjoy those dollars. And again, it's hard to, it's hard to transition from saver to spender because everybody is afraid of, well, what can I spend? You know, what can I spend without running out of money? So a good analogy of this, and it goes back to what I said before on our website and what you said of, you know, putting money into different buckets of money. So if you're, so, so let's take a 70 year old, for instance, and you know, you're afraid of running out of money of X amount of dollars. Um, what can you spend from 70 to 75? And what, what can you do to make sure you don't run out of money? Well, you put money into separate investments for your future self. That's basically what time segmented distribution is. So you set money aside in an investment for when you're 90 or when you're 85 or when you're 80 and that pool of assets is already segmented, separated and identified. And, you know, we don't know exactly what it's going to earn, you know, or exactly what it's going to produce in income. Um, but we have a range that we can probably pretty closely guesstimate you know, from, you know, the worst to the best. And, you know, hopefully we wind up somewhere in the middle, but it's math. And so math should direct you. And if you've set money aside for your future self, including inheritance, charities or whatever, then that money that is left, you know, that is there to be, to be identified in your 70 to 75, you can spend it all. Yeah. So you don't, you don't have to worry about, but if you have everything, and this is what I see as the problem, if you have everything in one big pot, you know, one big portfolio, right? Um, I call it the lazy advisor portfolio because the advisor doesn't want to spend the time to segment that money into different pools uh, for a number of reasons. Some of it's because of compensation. Some of it's because of time. Some of it's just because of, um, you know, just inadequate um, abilities to do that or, um, maybe it's just incompetence. I don't know. But, but, but again, you know, if you do do that and you have money set aside for your future self, you don't have to worry about spending what's left today because you have all of those different things already pre-planned and set aside. And then math tells the story of what you can spend today, what you have to set aside for tomorrow. So that's an easy blunder to avoid mm -hmm. just by simply taking a little bit of time and a calculator uh, and then identifying that. But it is complicated, Steve, because, you know, all of us have got multiple different types of assets. So, I mean, we may have Roth IRAs, 401k plans, regular IRAs, you know, a stock account, stock options, stock option grants. You know, we have, you know, rental properties, you know, all kinds of stuff. So where does all that fall? you know, in that different strategy. And that's where a, a expert has been doing that for a long time, help, can help you identify those things of what age and what bucket and how should that money be invested. 
Good. Yeah, absolutely. Folks, if you'd like to reach out and, and uh, connect with Mark, you can call him at 712-224-4651, 712-224-4651. Better yet, just visit the website. You can uh, connect with uh, with Mark right there, EFS, the number for the letter U.com. So we got one more, uh, and uh, we're talking about feeling trapped by real estate. Is this How, how is that uh, a problem? Or well, for many be- retirees, it depends on how much house they had. But for many retirees, their house is their primary asset. Sure. And while this can be great news for your financial future, it can also be a difficult decision to sell that family house. And, and it is really even harder to do that. And, you know, if you have a house that's bigger than what you can afford and it's actually causing you to not enjoy retirement, you've got to take a hard look at that and say, you know, is there a way to, to you know, free up more cash flow? For instance, if if you've got, you know, a house that's, that's, you know, you can downside, you know, not only can you downside your house, but when you downside your house, you downside all your expenses as well. Property taxes go down, insurance goes down, cost of maintaining the house goes down you know, maybe maintenance on the outside, inside, all that stuff decreases in cost. So it's not just about, you know, downsizing the house, but it's all about, you know, what is it, what is that house actually costing you in terms of monthly expenses? And sometimes you could free up a thousand dollars a month by downsizing that, that, you know, residence that you're living in. Yes. And that's a difficult decision. Um, and it's been really hard to do that too, Steve, here in the last, um, you know, couple, two, three years, because the housing market has just been on fire. So, I mean, you downsize to what, you know, you sell your home and there's nothing that you can move into. And if you move into something that's smaller, it costs you more than what the house is that you're living in. So people were stuck there for a while. I think that's going to change here um, as, you know, the the housing market has cooled off, is cooling off, uh, and you know, hopefully, we see more affordable downsizing options. And you know that, you know, but yeah, that's a hard, that's a hard one. You know, see, well, again, I think with like you said, the last couple of years with real estate's been crazy, and now we're seeing it really turn around the other way. I mean, with right. interest rates up around seven percent, a little bit more. I mean, that's that's significant, even compared to the first of the year. Yeah, more choices for retirees to choose from on that downsized housing market um, because a lot of those homes were getting snatched up by, you know, younger families that would be good homes for, you know, people who are in retirement to sell their house and move down into. Mm-hmm. Of course, then the problem is always, well, what do I do with my home selling your house? So it's it's kind of a catch-22 in that housing market. So that's a difficult one, but you want to be aware that, you know, it is a mistake not to consider it, not to look at it, you know, and it depends again on what your situation is. But again, we don't want to pay, a, you know, we don't want to waste money. Um, and, you know, you have to have that built into your plan as well is looking at, you know, what could I end up doing uh, with my home? And you actually, by making a good choice there, you could actually end up with more money to leave behind instead of less. And I think that's that's the bottom line when it comes down to that particular blunder. I like is, it. Is by doing something, you may have more, not less. Well, it's always good. More is, is better than, than less. And, uh, you know, tax-free is always better than taxed. Right. 
And that's our show for today, folks. So, you know, those are the five uh, common blunders that we see people make. And, of course, there's a lot more. I mean, we could do a show, you know, every week probably um, or more than once a week just on blunders. Um, blunders because, <laughs> you know, we all we all do them, right? Yeah, exactly. Well, again, always a pleasure, Mark. It's, uh, you know, again, the insight is, is uh, you know, you bring a, a sort of a an energy that's not really, I mean, you know, you're you're very good at what you do, I guess is what I'm trying to say. Well, I, tr- I, I would hope so. Yeah. You know, after doing it for 30 some years, yes. um, I've got, you know, a ton of, you know, I, I was just at a conference with, with 3000 other advisors in San Antonio this past week. So that's why there was no show last week. Wow. I was down in San Antonio. So what was that like? Oh, it was great. I mean, yeah, 3000 people. We were down on the river walk down there, which is just, you know, really fun place to go. Uh, lots of, you know, it's pretty. Oh yeah. It was nice weather is in the eighties. Um, but the information that we got, you know, top investment people, um, and just networking with other advisors, um, that I've known for years, you know, and, you know, one of them, you know, one of the comments that one of the, you know, advisors makes made is, you know, I is saying, um, you know, cause we talked about, you know, a state administration, you know, because that's one of the things we do is help people administrate their estates after sure. they're gone, help pass money on to their kids, you know, work with attorneys and accountants um, and, you know, make sure the documents, you know, the accounts are transferred over in an efficient manner. We talk about how to do that from a tax standpoint. And his point was, well, if you're just newer in the business, maybe you want to charge X, he says. But for me, you know, I've got, you know, I've got 30 some years. I, I know what all the answers are. That's why you're paying me. So that you don't have to go to an attorney who says, well, I really don't know anything about, you know, taxes. You're going to have to go talk to the accountant. And then you go to the accountant. accountant says, well, I really don't know anything about, you know, investments. You're going to have to go talk to the investment people. Um, and the investment person says, well, you know, I, I really don't know exactly what's the best method for this, this. And they may not know anything about taxes. And so what I tell people, you know, in a state administration is, you know, you hire us to help you administrate that estate in the most efficient and cost manner. And the reason is I don't have to do all of the research that X, Y, or Z, the accountant or the attorney, or maybe the investment person, the insurance person, because we've already done it all. And so I know all the answers. And so, you know, if you, if you're paying somebody, the last thing you want to have, have them say is, well, I don't know exactly what the answer is. I'm going to get back to you. And they're billing you by the hour. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I mean, you're paying somebody to know what the answer is. Um, you know, just like you go into a car repair shop, you don't want to have them, you know, spend three days trying to figure out what your car is or, or read a manual to, to determine how to fix the problem. They should know how to fix it. They should know how to fix it. And exactly. That's where experience is important. Experience um, you know, is, is that, you know, 30 years of knowledge. Sounds good. And again, let's, uh, let's get together again next week. How about it? Sounds good.
Securities offered through Securities America, Inc., member FINRA SIPC. Advisory services offered through Securities America Advisors, Inc., an SEC-registered investment advisor. EFS Group and the Securities America companies are unaffiliated. Any comments regarding safe and secure investments and guaranteed income streams refer only to fixed insurance products. They do not refer in any way to securities or investment advisory products. Fixed insurance and annuity product guarantees are subject to the claims-paying ability of the issuing company. If you remember these TV shows, you're getting ready to retire. Whenever I see a big pair of feet or a cheesy mustache, I'll think of you. You got spunk. I hate spunk. I'm one guy who ain't prejudiced against anybody who uh, may be less superior than me. It kind of sneaks up on you, doesn't it? Oh, gee. You deserve a secure, independent retirement. A retirement that is prepared to handle pitfalls like inflation, health emergencies, stock market volatility, and taxation. You've worked hard for your money and will work just as hard to protect it and grow it. Retirement planning doesn't have to be difficult. Get the facts-based approach that you deserve, all at no cost, with no obligation. Call Mark Eels at EFS Wealth Management, 712-224-4651, 712-224-4651, or log on to EFS4U.com, EFS, the number 4U.com.